Merry Christmas to everyone. And as the football year comes to its close, today we discuss our end of year awards. Some of the awards here are going to be our best and worst calls of this entire year. Player of the year, surprising team of the year, worst VAR decisions of the year, and many, many more. Without further ado, let's roll that intro. Hello and welcome to Lost in Possession podcast. If you are here for the first time, please do us a very quick Christmas favour. Hit the like button and hit that subscribe button for weekly football content. And as always, it is absolutely free. Let's get cracking. As I said, we've got a lot to get through today. We will save our best and worst disaster calls for the end of the episode. We will kick things off with most surprising team of the year. And this could apply to any team in any league across the world. So. Jamie, we'll come to you first. Who did you go for and why? See, I don't think you two are going to like my one here. But I've got Man City for the most surprising team. So hear me out before you start criticising me. <laughs> at, the start of the se- at the start of the year, we've just come back off the World Cup and City weren't looking that great. So the fact that they've gone into 2023 and done what no English club has ever done and win five trophies in a calendar year... That has to be surprising. Something that's never been done in English football to be done. I think that you have to have that as a big contention. And it's not not winning. The, the only one we didn't win was the League Cup, which people consider the least. So I think we're definitely, I think it's definitely fair to actually have us in there. You may call me biased, but I'm just going to have to accept it. Yeah, Let, let's start the disagreements early. That is definitely biased. Man City being quality is not surprising to absolutely anyone. But five trophies is... Yeah, that's impressive, but it's still not surprising. Like, on, on, on your day, you're the best team in the world at the minute. Not not surprising at all to, to me. I went for a Spanish team. And we've got to talk about Girona. You can take the small win because they're part of the City... Part of the City group. Dodgy <laughs> empire, whatever you want to call it. But what what this team have done is absolutely remarkable. 18 games into La Liga, they're joint top of the league with Real Madrid. They're above, I mean, they're they're seven points clear of Atletico Madrid and Barcelona out of nowhere. So for me, there is other, other teams that have done well this season, but the most surprising from seemingly nothing to potentially winning La Liga or at least competing, what Girona are doing is is absolutely special. Um, so I don't think there can be any other choice for me. Reese, who you got? Um, I think both are very fair shouts. Everyone keeps writing off City and they keep coming back. Girona are doing exceptionally well as well. I actually I actually went for Wolves. I think Wolves are a team that it's always been looking doom and gloom for them, particularly from my side. Looked like they turned a corner when they appointed Lopetegui last year. Um he left. They appointed Gary O'Neill, which frustrated a lot of fans. Terrible start. And they're beating all the big boys at home. And they've just won 4-1 at Brentford. They're not looking at relegation at all. So, if anything, they're looking at the top 10. So, I've gone for Wolves just because I think they're constantly, again, turning the corner. Yes, they haven't won the trophies like Man City. But for the general dismay that they've, they've been looking at, they've, you know, they've been doing very well. I think if, if they'd achieve something, I, I'd kind of agree. But 
I don't really think they've achieved anything other well, than Girona. Huh? <laughs> Girona haven't achieved anything. <laughs> yeah, but they're a team that small competing at half the season, being in the title race, is is spectacular. Whereas Wolves being mid-table isn't spectacular, is it? It is for a team with no money. I mean, they haven't got any money to spend, have they? Yes, I suppose Girona, where they're based in Catalonia, you know, you think they'd all support Barcelona around there. So, yeah, given their dues, but they've also got the backing of quite wealthy owners to help them out. Let's not forget. <laughs> Who are they? Don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how much they've spent, but it, it's not been much. I think if you're going, I think if you're going with a Premier League team that's lower, lower down the top rather than the top, you probably have to look at Luton because no one expected Luton to get up to the Premier League last season, mm. and they've not been, they've not actually been in the Premier League. Correct me if I'm wrong in the Premier League era, anyway. And the fact Great. is, they're now competing. They're not. They everyone thought they'd be bottom of the league, getting whipped most weekends. And what it takes a ninety-fifth minute winner for Arsenal to beat them. City have to come from behind to beat them a two-one at, at Luton's ground. So I think they they've been quite surprising considering how small of a club they are. You probably wouldn't expect them even to get out of championship. So they've done it all over twenty twenty three. Been quite surprising, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's a great shot. Beating Newcastle in there as well, holding Liverpool. Uh, so I think, yeah, great shot. Villa as well, maybe a bit of recency bias, but Villa in the in the you know in the talks of a title race, I think well, they're 15, also have done well. 15, 16 wins at home in a row, and ending it with City and Arsenal one nil victories. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of good teams in there. But uh, yeah, we, we we've all gone different. So by all means, if you're watching the video, pause it for two seconds, put your comment below. Who's the most surprising team for you this season? Let's move on. Quite a fun one here. Worst VAR decision of the year. Um, I'll, I'll kick things off. Um, it does involve Chelsea. I remember wanting to punch the screen at this point. Um, obviously, one of the craziest games of the season was Chelsea was Spurs-Chelsea. And for me, the worst one that I can remember, I mean, look, there's been a lot, so, you know, if you've got another opinion, as always, put it in the comments. But I think the Romero, the Romero kick out in that game. So for those who remember it, I can't remember who he kicked. I want to say Cucurella. He was literally on the floor, kicked out, I believe, don't quote me on the Cucurella, he kicked out on the floor. VAR looked at it and still didn't send him off. As we know, 10 minutes later, he then did a ridiculous red card challenge again and got sent off. But at the time, I remember thinking this is an absolute just, you know, everyone chucks, chucks around, you know, corruption when, when it doesn't go their way. But this this was just disgraceful. Um, so for me, that's the one I can really remember that that shocked me the most. What, what about you guys? Jamie, come to you first. Um, mine is is not that. I think that was a crap decision. Like you can't just kick out on players. That's just in the rules that just is a red card but the one that i've got with the worst is the diaz offside against spurs for liverpool where you've got an actual you've even hear, heard the recording going it's offside it's offside and then they play the game on i don't think you can when you've actually got the decision right out loud 
and then you still get it wrong on the pitch. I don't know. You, I just don't understand how you can correct that. It that to me is just the worst VAR call possible. It can't get any worse than that when you've realised it's completely. You've done it. You've done everything right and still give the wrong decision on the pitch. Yeah, good point actually. Reese, did you have anything different? Um, as somebody who doesn't really care about VAR. Um, I have had to come up with some decisions on here. So if we want to look at the bias uh, from a bias perspective, I suppose um, the Tony equaliser against Arsenal right at the start of the year, which ended in a 1-1, and Norgard was supposedly an offside position or or whatever, um, even though they've used it to mask what was a poor performance from Arsenal on the day. The overall knock-on effect of that was quite important because they drew and obviously had a bit of a wobble there, and that's two points lost from an Arsenal perspective and what was that title race at the time. But I think my main one has actually been for the game at the first game of uh, this, this season, which was Manu 1, Wolves 0, where Klasic, if that's how it's pronounced, um, was clattered by Anana um, and nothing was given there. You know, you would argue that that again would have had an impact on the game where United were poor and Wolves were very unlucky. So even though it hasn't affected anything yet, you know, we haven't seen this doomed Wolves to relegation or anything or affect a, 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 a European position. But overall, that was a poor performance. Um, that was a poor poor decision overall. And I think Wolves did feel hard done by by there. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. That was my sort of second choice one, the one where Onana's, you know, I've seen punches thrown on streets less than that, and they get done for assault, and Onana gets away with not even conceding the penalty. And that was obviously last moments of the game. So that literally would have been 1-1 one, one if if they scored the penalty, of course. But it was just such a bad decision. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and on the subject of Onana, I guess that brings us nicely onto the best and worst Premier League transfer of the year. Um, let's start with the worst. Obviously, I've mentioned it. I kind of give my answer away. I've got to go with Onana. I'm sorry. United fans might hate me, but... The, the simple reality of this, the way I'm looking at this transfer is is expectation versus reality. He was in the Champions League final. He was one of the most acclaimed keepers in the world, seemingly. A lot of that was obviously based on on that Champions League run and his performances in, in the final, etc. But I think if you asked United fans at the time, they would have said Onana is one of the best keepers in the world. Months, uh, well, I say months later, even even weeks later, the amount of errors, honestly, the amount of errors that this apparently one of the best keepers in the world has made for United, and you've seen them struggling this season as, as a result, is absolutely ridiculous. Like four, five off the top of my head, where he's just gone for a ball, missed it. In that Wolves game, he got away with it. But imagine that on top of that as well, giving away a last minute penalty. You've had the the paper hands where he just has shots at him and he just they just go through his legs. Or his hands, or like honestly, I think it's probably five or six big errors leading to goals this season already, and we're, we're, we're what halfway through. So I think he he might improve. He might end up being the keeper that that United fans want. But my word, has he been a flop? Honestly, um, so he's he's my worst. What about you guys? I'm sticking at United, but I've I've gone with Mason Mount instead. Onana, the the things that um keep me 
keep me off Onana because, like you say, he's made so many errors. Is he's actually got the I think joint most clean sheets in the league, which is just <laughs> ridiculous considering all the mistakes that he's made. But obviously, some of them are in the Champions League as well. Um, I've gone with Mason Mounts because I thought he would be sort of the the sort of the missing middleman in between the Casemiro and Fernandez for their midfields, and for all the sort of moments he had at Chelsea, sort of the best best stats. If you looked at it, it was like who was the best player at Chelsea at the time, maybe last season, two seasons ago was was Mount getting all shots, possession passes, all this. He was number one in the team. So the fact he's gone to United, I know he's had injuries, but even when he was playing, he wasn't doing anything. He might as well have not been on the pitch. So, And for the amount of money that was spent on him in that, which is more than sort of, say, Onana's fee, I think, or what, yeah, it was, and what I thought he would be at United, I think he's the wor- he's been the, the worst transfer of 2023 Premier League sort of sides. I think that's harsh. I've got to say, I think that's harsh. Like I, when when Man United signed him, I said it, the whole thing was weird as it is. But his best position is is CAM, right? And he he was never going to take Fernandez out of the team. So then yeah, when he was playing, he was compliment him though. It was meant to be where I guess Ericsson's role was last season it was instead of him, and he'll have more legs than Ericsson. Just being younger, yeah. Never replace, never replace Fernandez. Yeah, but I think he was played sort of CDM, and he, he was played a bit out of position. And then he got injured, but albeit as you said, his his stats for the games he played were were shocking. But I, I think it's harsh. I don't think he's he's the biggest flop personally, but it's been a nightmare, absolute nightmare transfer. Either way you look at it, Reese, what what about you? Uh, I thought you're harsh, no, Nana. Six clean sheets in the league don't lie. That's more than Raya. That's more than Edison. You know, it's joint with Allison. He's he's what a modern day goalkeeper is. You're going to get clarity or erratic performances, but they will back it up with clean sheets. I've actually gone for Mason Mount. As harsh as that might sound, I look at it and I think for the money spent, I thought he would fit perfectly into the Ten Hag system, but he's only managed to get one assist this season. That was in the League Cup, so... Not great, bearing in mind that in a very poor Chelsea team last year, he got six assists and three goals. So, you know, what, what's happened there? Is it just, it's just not working at United? I don't know. But for the money paid for him, you know, it, it's not been good enough. I hope it works out for him, but it's it's been poor, let's be honest. It's been poor. It's, it looks like he's been invisible on the pitch at times. You know, you might as well have been playing with 10 men for them at the moment. And that's not a criticism amount. That could be a whole factor of things confidence tactics whatever but i think for the money paid he's he's not been good enough yeah i think with onana though like i you sound being harsh but the clean sheets element is also part of the defense right but mistakes obvious mistakes like when the ball's at him and he drops it through his hands that's not a defensive error that's that's his own fault and for a keeper to come in so with so much height and make that many errors. Like keepers, is, keepers make errors. Don't get me wrong, but maybe one, two, max. He's genuinely made five or six big errors. So I think the clean sheet stat. I, I get what you're saying, but I think it's a little bit. It do, it does pave over the cracks 
it like yeah. for actually his performances like he is making sort of high amount of saves at United, which is a problem with the defense. But the what the goals he has conceded haven't been good enough for any standard of keeper. I'm talking like we're talking Sunday league. Mm. We don't expect keepers to do that in in some of the some of the cases. I think it's a mixture. Of, before before we move on though, it is a mixture of things. Like yeah, he's made mistakes, but. This is what modern day keepers do. There's so much an emphasis of put, letting them play with their feet. None of them seem to be able to hold a ball anymore. Ramsdale's not best at it. Raya's very shaky with it. Edison's probably the best at it. I don't think Allison's much of a feet keeper. I think he's more of a traditional keeper, in my opinion. Hence why he's probably got the best record. But I think I think he has been let down with his defence as well. You know, I think there's nobody at the back there telling them what to do. And I think he benefited from that Inter. You know, he gets Bastoni in front of him, De Vrij in front of him. DeMarco probably as well. So if they're a little bit... I, I think, yes, sometimes clean sheets do mask it, but I think he is going to be better for them in the long run. Yeah. And to be, to be fair as well, anyway, like the a lot of the mistakes were in the Champions League, which obviously that's a Premier League stat. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, United conceded more goals in that group stage than any other English team in Champions League history. So, yeah, 50-50 on that one. Um, let's move on to moments of the year. So this might be uh, a, a game, a, a goal, a signing, um, and obviously we'll each each be personal to us. Um, Reese, we'll come straight back to you. What was your personal moment of the year? Personal moment of the year was, I think, Reese Nelson's goal against Bournemouth. For, from from that perspective, two 0 down, fight it back to two two. Time's ticking out. He gets the ball, controls it lovely, whacks it straight in. Stoppage time, the scenes at the end of that goal. You know, if we think of the significance of what that should have been for the title race, you know, that's when people thought maybe they're going to do it. Not me, obviously, but that's when people thought they were going to achieve, Arsenal were going to achieve. And the, the significance of that goal was so big. You know, if he hadn't have scored that goal, the title race would have been done way before, you know, and everyone would have been deflated. So, that sense of belief that football can give you was was shown in that moment there. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, to be fair, I can't disagree. The scenes there, late quality goal as well. Importance of it. Yeah, definitely a, a quality moment. That, Jamie, what about you? Um, well, my moments sort of slightly personal. Well, I'll say both are personal. I'm going to give an honourable mention to Gunnan's goal in the FA Cup final. After 12 seconds, you know, to be 1-0 up against United, couldn't have asked. You generally, you just can't ask for a better start or anything like that. However, I think it's more, be it when I was there in the Champions League final, Rodri's goal, just for me personally, it's the moment that we've been waiting for. I've gone to a Champions League final and seen us not score. So to actually score this time, was brilliant and then to win it was just one of the best one of the best moments that you can ask for really i don't i don't think there's much more i need to say on that no nah, that's everyone's dream screamer in the champions league final to, to win the treble um for me again obviously i've gotten something personal chelsea there's not been much on the pit on the uh on the pitch moments so i've gone for a transfer signing instead but I think over summer, the the absolute drama, the 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 scenes 
of us beating Liverpool to Caicedo and then Lavia on top of that as well. I remember I was on holiday at the time, the drama, constantly scrolling Twitter, checking Fabrizio's tweets, and there was so much drama about the Caicedo transfer. And I remember waking up and, and it was went to bed as Liverpool had put in the record bid, thinking basically it's done, how have we bottled it? To then wake up to see Chelsea had then, Caicedo rejected Liverpool. Absolute drama. I remember waking up and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And she thought someone had died or something. It was and, and it was literally <laughs> we'd sign Caicedo. So yeah, I think for me, not much on the pitch celebrations this this year, but the transfer drama was uh, was up there. Um, let's move on to game of the year. I I'll, I'll carry on here. Um, again, involves two of our clubs at the game in person, so definitely biased. But for me, it was the Chelsea Man City four four. Just ridiculous. Like, you don't get 4-4 draws that much in football these days. Two big teams in a game that we we weren't expected to even get a result. Impressive performance, drama, end-to-end football, decisions, you know, obviously drama with Anthony Taylor as the ref, as always. Penalties, late goals. It had it all. Absolutely had it all. So, for me, that was that was my game of the year. Well, I'll go with none. I'm not going to be biased like you, Jordan, and picking one of our teams. I've gone with Wrexham, Notts County, which was the massive game that needed to, of two teams who were hitting 100 plus points to go up into into the football leagues. And the game at Wrexham, which finished 3-2, just had everything, which... Like, obviously, you could have, I could have even put in the moment of Ben Foster saving that penalty in the sort of last last minutes. Um, but even even if you look at the quality of the goals, the goal that came in the, in the 45th, 45th plus four minutes, the free kick from Notts County, which was sensational. And then you had just the dramas of end-to-end where it goes back to 2-1 to Wrexham, to 2-2, to 3-2, and then the penalty at the end. I think that game was just phenomenal all over and as a neutral for that game. It was just it was just so enjoyable. Whereas when I don't have anything on the line for it, it is a factor to just how good of a game it was. Yeah, great shot. Reese. Yeah, watching both those games as a neutral really was impressive. But I went City four, Chelsea four. Sorry, the other way around, Chelsea four, City four, just because of the drama involved in that game, you know, end to end, end to end. It looked like both teams you know, they couldn't keep it out, but they could definitely keep putting it in the net. It could have been it's a seven all, eight all, nine all. It was end to end. And like I said, I think big games here in England do let us down quite a lot. And I think that did not. So the significance of that game could be important. Agreed. Let's move on. Player of the year. Again, this doesn't have to be Premier League, it can be any league. Um, Jamie, we'll start with you. Is it a Man City player? Of course it is. <laughs> Don't don't win five trophies and not be, not have the best player of the twenty twenty three. He scored fifty plus goals. It's Erling Haaland. Um broken the Premier League goal scoring record in his first season. Big goals all over. I I've gone with Haaland. Should have won the Ballon d'Or, but the less said about that, the better when you've got journalists picking their favourites. 
it's just a ridiculous system. But yeah, Erling Haaland for me, he gets he gets my award. You know, that's what's important. That's what he wanted, I think. Surprise of the season, that is. Jamie picking a City player. Um, Reese, over to you. Yeah, Haaland, give us your address. I'm sure your award will be in the post. Um, I think Haaland has been the player of the year from, from a domestic perspective. He just can't seem to stop scoring. Yes, he's had a bit of a rough patch last stage of this year, but come on, that guy's a machine. Without him, there's none of those trophies. Um, but I've actually gone... Uh, well, I've stayed domestic, but I've also but also abroad at the same time. That's Jude Bellingham. Guy's a monster. We saw, you know, someone who was a fan of him when he broke out of Birmingham. I never thought he was going to go on to Real Madrid like this. You know, he got better and better at Dortmund. We saw him, you know, do amazing at Dortmund, amazing at the World Cup last year. You know, at such a young age, he's a leader. He's driving that team. He played well against Scotland as well. Um, earlier in the season internationally he's been a monster and he's banging goals in for Real Madrid and he looks like he's going to be the best player him and Haaland are going to be competing for the best player in the world along with Mbappe for the next 10 years you know even longer for him because he's younger so can't knock it and bearing in mind he comes from such down-to-earth roots in a way you know I, I give him a lot of respect for that so I went with the same as you Reese, actually Bellingham I think both players to be honest, Har- Harlan's been phenomenal. Let, let let's not you know shit on that. But Bellingham, what he's done, like to to have the hype, to get the dream transfer to Real Madrid, and to not only th- like not only not be a flop, but somehow to over deliver on the hype he had at the biggest club in the world when they need it the most. I don't even know the stats off the top of my head, but the goals, he, like he's a centre midfielder. You've got to remember this. And every single game, he's been putting in goals and assists, goal after goal after goal in the Champions League, in the Liga, late goals, late late winners. I just think the age he's at, what he's doing to go to the biggest club in the world for 100-odd mil and then somehow over-deliver at the age he is, I think, I think it's got to be Bellingham. But Haaland, yeah. I feel bad oh, not saying Haaland. I but... think this is massive recency bias. Because you got to remember, he was at Dortmund in the early part of 2023. And they're the team that's bottled the bottled the league, literal bottled the league on the final day. And he's a part of that. So to go over to someone who I keep saying has won five trophies this year, ridiculous. But don't worry, Harlan, you're, you're my winner. I'll... I'll stand up for you because I can't. I can't agree with these two. Nah, look, they're both done well. Both, both absolute ballers, and both impressive to do what they're doing at the age they're doing it. Okay, last but not least, we've got to cover our best and worst calls of the season. Um, so, Jamie, let's start with you, and you're going to be doing covering Reese's. Yep, yep. I'll, I'll start with you. I'll start with your best, Reese. I'll get get you some sort of, you know, your ego can go up a bit. I think it has to be your constant commitment to Arsenal not winning the league last year, season. No matter how many points you were in front, whether it's eight, nine, ten points ahead, you were very adamant you're not winning the league. You are still this still are in 2023. Um towards the end of it for ne- this season. It's sort of like 
like you said, with the Bournemouth game being such a big moment, people started to properly believe. There was always talk about it, and there was even sort of some doubt creeping in my mind, even though I'd still back City. You're you're still you're still very adamant on that. So I have to say that's probably your your best call on it. Um, your worst, probably not one of the worst calls out there, but you did have Wolves to go down in twenty in the 2022-2023 season and they were so comfortable staying up. Um they came they came 13th which obviously isn't that isn't that brilliant but it was so comfortable they even had a dreadful last five games of the season and still were nowhere near the bottom. So yeah there's your best and worst calls of the year. All right, I'll uh I'll jump in with uh, with Jamie's best and worst calls. I think the best one's fairly recent, but the prediction of uh, of Man United in the last two games, we did the Champions League podcast. You said you, you, you're pretty confident they're not going to win either. And they didn't. And they finished bottom of the group, which was a shock, but also given how they've been, not that surprising. Um, but we've got to talk about the worst call, the FPL one. Game week one, everyone watching, all the pressure on you, putting in... Diaz and Stones in your first draft for them both to not then play. Obviously a bit of bad luck with injuries, but if anyone had been following that and put them in your team, they would have been absolutely wrecked on day one. Uh, so yeah, got to give a shout out to that. Yeah, I was in McDonald's car park trying to correct my team once I found out they were both injured. <laughs> Too late for the video. I did put a comment on there, but yeah, <laughs> can't do anything about injuries. All right, Reese. Let, let's hear it. Yep, George. I think, I think your best call was definitely the City, well, United City game that took place earlier this year. Even though we thought it would be a close game, you predicted a three 0 if I'm not mistaken. You predicted it exactly, and on top of that, predicted the exact scorers, which was just absolute scenes. So you can't go wrong there. Maybe you should be doing more of the FPL predictions than Jamie. And I also think that. Your worst call was back in Burnley to survive comfortably and be mid-table because they've been pretty disastrous so far. Still hope, but but they've not been great. But for that to be your worst call shows that you've had a very good year. So nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, bloody companies let me down there. But um, look, that wraps us up for our end-of-year awards. There's been plenty to disagree with there on every single one. If you have a minute, pause the video right now. Give us your personal awards for each of the ones we've done and let us know your thoughts in the comments. But as always, happy new year. We'll see you in 2024. Like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill.